Hello and welcome to the Nexus Talks podcast. Here at Nexus, we delve into the experiences and insights from specialists and thought leaders within the creative, tech and digital industries across the globe. At Nexus, we speak freely and touch on the topics that often go unspoken. Welcome to another episode of Nexus Talks. I'm your host, Dina Hassanin, and today I am speaking with Ashley Galloway, aka DJ Jaden. Now, this really is a small world because I actually worked with DJ Jaden on Sunday at Ford Ride London. I was hosting, he was DJing, providing the best vibes, and here we are, small world. I'm interviewing him now. Not only is he an incredible DJ, but he's also the founder and director of WMD Festival, which is a digital and live music festival celebrating music from around the world. He worked with amazing artists like Exo Man, Ed Sheeran, just to name a few. But I'm going to let DJ Jaden tell you more about himself. I want to say a huge welcome to Nexus Talks. It's so lovely to have you here. I'm so excited to talk to you. I've got so many questions ready, but. Before we get into that, can you please tell us a bit about yourself? Right, I'm DJ Jaden. Uh, I run the record label Basin Eights, um, which has brought the likes of Exo Man, uh, Jay Dragon, Troy Glasgow, work with Ed Sheeran, um, Dua Lipa, Etta Bond. Uh, yeah, the list can kind of go on. So yeah, that's the that's the record label side of things. Um, we did. They were called it left field hip hop or left field music, because uh, it wasn't really mainstream, but it banged and it was always about the club. Uh, Bass and 8 stands for Baselines and 808s. So it's a mixture of the UK culture of like dubstep. That's where it originally kind of inspired me. And um, down south, uh, American hip hop. Um, so that plies, so dubstep and plies. And that's what kind of helped cultivate the sound of Bass and 8s. Um, outside of that, I'm a DJ. Um, as the name says, um, open format started as a dancehall DJ up in Coventry. Um, and yeah, just kind of progressed from there. And, um, as a producer, yeah, I've been producing for about, oh gosh, it's almost 20 years now. <laughs> um, yeah, just, uh, yeah, just under 20 years. And that started because when I moved to university, um, I was part of a, another group, shout out all the G&E from old school, it's like teenage times, but, um, but yeah, moved out to Coventry and, um, I had no one to produce music for me, no one to engineer. Cause back then it was expensive, like studio time was very expensive. So, um, I built my own computer and then just started messing around. Cause when I was in, when I was still in London, shout out Code DJ helped me learn how to produce like show me reason and like how you put all of that together and how you make music electronically. Cause that was something that I, I, I was always interested in, but I didn't know how to do. So yeah, shout out Cody J and yeah, moved up to Coventry and then just started experimenting with like my own sound. I eventually got to a point whereby I, I wanted DJs to play it. And back then we didn't have Spotify and YouTube and all these different outlets. So I'd go up to the DJs and get them to like, do you like it? Like, yeah, we like it, but it's a bit different. So we don't know if we can play it. It's a um, bit different. That, yeah. Um, cause again, like my sound's never really been traditional. I, I make the music that I like to make. I just make sure it bangs and it plays for the clubs. Um, so that was when I decided to become a DJ because they wouldn't play my music. So I went, okay, I'll do it myself. So learn how to DJ, big up Ringo, big up Drifter. <laughs> um, 
AV as well. Like these people really kind of uh, helped and guided me, threw me in the deep end, uh, but got me to the DJ or the starts of the DJ that you see today. Um, and then I started playing my own music in the clubs, um, along with like dancehall and everything else. And, um, people were like, well, what, what song is that? Same DJs <laughs> asked me what song it was. And I was like, this is the one that I gave you. Um, so I, eventually they started playing it as well. Yeah. Um, so nice, but, uh, yeah. And then from that, I've always been a event promoter as well. Been doing that for, for a very long time. Um, and being involved in events, um, like the Bang Bang, um, which I'm still playing for to this day. Been running for almost 15 years now. Um, uh, yeah, there, there, there's a lot that I've done and we kind of moved on to, what was it? Just before COVID. And I was speaking to Honor the French, who's a producer. And I was asked, talking to him about Fête de la Musique, uh, which is world music day in France. Mm. And I said, how comes we don't do it over here? And it's like, what do you know about it? Like, what do you know about that? I said, no, nah, no, because I've, I've been into French hip hop for a long time. Um, and like the kind of French music culture as well. So I, I knew a little bit about it, not a lot. Um, and it was like, I said, look, can we do it? He goes, yeah, but COVID. <laughs> I said, yeah. yeah, know what? Let's just do it. Like we'll do it digital. And if we can do it, we'll do it live as well. So that way we can incorporate people from uh, other countries as well. Um, and then we basically put the event together with a guy named uh, Vito. Um, and we did that at Bound Bar Brothers in Waterloo, the actual main live event. And yeah, that was sold out. Um, <laughs> we couldn't So, um, and yeah, that was, as Boris was meant to lift the ban, he didn't. So we still had social distancing throughout the whole thing, but then we still had to do this performance. So the logistics of it all was, um, was testing to say the least. Yeah. I can imagine it must've been very hard to control people, you know, especially when they're out like trying to enjoy music. It must be yeah, hard. It, it was, it was an interesting vibe is the best way. I <laughs> but we pulled it off. Um, and yeah, that was the birth of, um, WMD festival. Um, so it was just a matter of trying to continue that, um, and spread that same energy every year. So, uh, that's me in a nutshell. You don't really do much, do you? Um, <laughs> How did that all work? So did you just like, obviously one thing leads to another. I know it's never a case of I'm going to become a DJ and then you're just going down one lane. Loads of different opportunities open up. What's your favorite part about what you do, DJ Jaden? Um, I think it's collaborating with good energy. All the music I've made, um, like has been, or even the, the, the best events that I've done, it's all been through collaboration and when you can feed off good energy, you create something amazing. Um, I've always been one to kind of try and capture the moment of what's going on right there and then, as opposed to pre-planning everything. Um, I like organic things. So yeah, I, I think the collaboration with, with good energy, I would say is what I like most. I love that. And you said this festival started just before COVID. When's the next festival? Uh, 21st of June is the same day every single year. Amazing. Doesn't change. Um, this year we're doing, um, a collaboration with a 
uh, visual arts company, so to put it, um, they're going to he help us with the whole media side of it and bring a 3D element and some other bits and pieces that's going to look kind of nice. So, um, yeah, that's going to be on the 21st of June. Um, we're condensing it a little bit this year, um, cause next year we've got a, a bigger, a bigger idea that we want to kind of bring forth. So I'll say, you're not allowed to say anything about that. I'll say anything about that. Moving a little nugget of info. <laughs> oh, no, none. <laughs> but no, we've, um, we've got bigger plans uh, for next year. Um, but we just have to kind of adjust as there's, there's things that we want to do to make the experience, um, a lot better. Um, and that takes time. Um, but at the same time, we still got to make sure that you're, you're, you're fed with, uh, some good music. So that's, that's what we plan to do. What do you think sets you apart from other festivals? Um, we've never really, it's not about the genres. It's not mm. about the numbers. It's about good vibes and what you bring as an artist. Um, and I've always been a true believer of that. I mean, you, you can, algorithms are all over the place. Um, they control a lot of things, but good music and, and good, a good product, not even just music, a good product is a good product. And I feel that we do show that and we try and make sure that they, that, that people get the best, um, regardless of whatever their situation is. Um, I started from building my own computers to doing the things that I'm doing now because of the graft and that's what I'm, I'm more, uh, focused on. Um, so yeah, if you're grafting and you're, you're doing your thing, it doesn't matter whether you've got 10 people or 1 million, like it's about the energy that you're putting out and the energy that you're putting into, to your product. Totally. And you know, there's so many things we're going to talk about. We're starting with the music festival just because that's the first thing that's popped in my head, but you've got such a wealth of knowledge and wisdom that's going to come with all of these different experiences you've had. Other than obviously the COVID social distancing at the time, what do you say? What would you say is the largest or hardest challenge that you face organizing a festival like this? Um, violence. Okay, let's talk about that. Um, that's difficult. I mean, all all of all of the WMD festivals have been funded by myself and maybe one other person. But um, yeah, last year it was. It, the whole thing was funded by myself. So it's like, right, how am I gaining this? And it was more because I know that it's a stepping stone process. I just jumped from one, one thing to another and doing the festival, it was, it's not like doing an event. It's, it's not, it's not just putting on an event. There's a, it seems like there's a lot more components that need to be in there. And even though I've got a wealth of experience. I'm not going to be naive and jump into going to do a festival and go, right, I'm going to need this from this person and that, da, da, and then not know exactly what to do with those, with that finance. So I've always been a person that is like, you know what, I'll do it myself first. Right. And what, what the pitfalls are, then I can start going to others and then bringing in, um, investment and things like that. Um, I have to do the test run. I've got to do the, the, the test press, so to put it, um, for myself. And then I know because otherwise you walk into things, you walk into situations that you not, might not be aware of. People can pull the wool over your eyes because you're not aware of um, the pitfalls that were there. Whereas if you do it yourself, it's harder, it's longer, but you understand the pitfalls. And then that way, when you go to um, get any kind of investment or you go to get help with something, then 
you know exactly what you need or you have a better idea of what you need and you can also save money in that way like because you know you're a bit more exact with um with the result that you're after um so yeah i mean i, I I'm, I'm a practical person as opposed to the theory um can be theory all day and like the first festival showed us we thought that the, the band was going to get lift lifted yeah and then all of a sudden it didn't so what do you do <laughs> um and it's again it was such a unique situation because it was covid and the world had never seen anything like that and it's like how do you adapt to that situation yeah um, but it also it's the same thing that inspired the festival it's like right i can get people from different parts of the world to also get involved in this and make it a bigger thing um so yeah this that's that's what i would say like you, you have to get involved you've got to get your hands dirty um before you can approach other people um it just means that they can pick holes in what you're doing pick holes in your armor so to put it and i'll try and make sure that the armor is a, as complete as possible that's actually such a good point actually about making sure your armor's on point because if you are doing something new, it's so easy to listen to everyone's way of doing things. And as you said, sometimes it turns out being more expensive or even far away from your original idea. Yes, definitely. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very essential that that happens. And as I said, sometimes it is the longer way of doing things, um, but it doesn't mean it's the, it's the worst way. Some, sometimes that shortcut, it will get you there, but then there's loads of things that you don't know. Um, in, in that process and being, being a creative for such a long period of time over various parts of the industry, um, I've kind of learned to go, right, let me just actually do this <laughs> and, and get my hands dirty. Um, and I feel that there's, um, people trying to do shortcuts. Yeah. Not really the best way to do it, but that's just my opinion. That's the way how I've, um, how I've done things and that works for me might not work for everybody else but it's, that's just my belief no I love that everyone's different right and everyone has a different idea of what they want their event or festival or whatever it is they're making to look like so that I completely get that and I think it's also really good to talk about what's difficult because when I ask this question people have different answers sometimes people are like sort and security or sometimes people are like attracting the crowd but I think once you've done it and you've attracted the right tribe if you like same people coming back. Yes. And loads of newbies as well, right? Exactly. That's so, the hardest thing, I think. And it's it's been interesting because um it's interesting to see the numbers on on the different videos. Like we've got one artist, um uh Tara, who actually performed uh at Ride London. Yeah. Uh, she's got ten thousand views on the on, on the video from WND. Um because she used it for the platform that it was, use it. <laughs> like it's there. So use it as a platform. Um, and it's also uh, to cut back to another point. Um, I didn't want it to be a bougie event. It's like, well, um, what's the best way to describe it? You can speak freely here, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I, I, I didn't want, I wanted everybody to be able to do what they want to do and use the platform as it was there to do. Not everybody can get into a festival or get onto a festival lineup. And WMD gives people that, that ability to do that without, I don't need to know you. You don't need to be part of a clique 
that is involved in this, that, and the other. I don't care about that. We don't care about that. We're just interested purely in the actual talent that's, that's, that's coming to us. Um, and seeing an artist like Taro, who has only recently started doing music and then going, right, would you like to perform at a, at a festival? Yes. Cool. That's now on your CV. <laughs> like, and this is the whole point of it. It's, it's for everybody. Um, regardless of your numbers, um, just as long as you have talent yeah, and kind of keep that for as long as this, as long as this festival runs, um, that's really a ethos that I, that I want to maintain. And I do that within my music. So I like to bring that over to the festival as well. <laughs> I'm, I really respect that. Like I know how hard it is for independent artists or even newbies who have talent, but are not necessarily amazing at the marketing side. You know, nowadays to be an artist, you have to be sick at TikTok, sick at Instagram, be able to do your own music, engineer your own music, make, do everything. And it's kind of like the talent gets pushed aside because you've got so many other things to do. So I really rate that you give people the opportunity to do that. Let's say someone's listening, how, and they're an artist, they would love to like be in your next festival. What would they do? How would they get in touch with you? Um, follow us at wmd.festival. Say, hi, I'm interested in, in performing at the next event. Okay, fine. No problem. We'll have an application form that, that we can send out to you. Uh, obviously after the, after this one, cause we just had the cutoff date, unfortunately, yeah. but for the next one, then you just keep sending us your stuff. And then when the application forms out, apply to it and then we'll get you involved. As long as we like what you're doing. And it's, as we said, it's good music. Um, and it doesn't have to be hip hop. It doesn't have to be R and B. It doesn't have to be anything traditional. It just needs to be good. <laughs> that that's it. Um, there was a singer from where was it? She's from South Africa. Yeah, uh, Honey. She did a she did her recording in a library, and she wore this like mask, like this golden glittery mask, and her voice was so enchanting. It was just beautiful. <laughs> like I can't and. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll send the clip. I'll send the clip over for you to add, add it, whatever. But her voice was just amazing. And it's something, it's, it's an artist that I probably never would have come across in my life. Like, but this festival has enabled me to hear a, a broad section um, of music and talent that I might not have never, ever come across. Um, and hopefully we can give that back to the world and to the internet and to the algorithms that are out there. I love that. And what's your most memorable moment, whether it's from putting on this festival or your experience as a DJ, what would you say something that sticks in your mind? I've got two. Go for it. <laughs> I want to hear about it. Performing after Major Laser at Valifest in MT for MTV Europe in Amsterdam and performing after David Rodigan. Those are the two times that I have been nervous going to DJ. Really? Like performing after Major Lazer when I realized, because I, I remember I was in the, we we're over there with um, Arthur Baker, who was um, part of Mantronics. Um, and I was EXO DJ and all the music that EXO was performing was my production. Wow. And then 
I was playing Major Lazer from upon the floor was even known to be cool <laughs> or, or anything like that. And I remember people coming up to me, what's this song? I'm like, it's, it's, it's Major Lazer. I don't know about this. And they're looking oh, at me like, no, we don't. So um, then, to be in, it, then to be at a festival and we're dancing away and all I can hear is Major Lazer. I'm going, hold on. And then Exo turns to me, he goes, yeah, we're after them. And I went, y what? <laughs> because, yeah, we were performing after them. Like, okay, cool. I'll be back in a minute. Because <laughs> we had been awake for about, because we had the gig the night before in, in London. Yeah. And then we flew over to, um, to Amsterdam. And then we went to the hotel and then straight to the festival. So it was like, I think we were awake for about 26 hours kind of thing. Wow. Like, so I've got all of that running through me. I'm tired. Like, I've got adrenaline running through me and I'm there and they're giving me vodka Red Bull. So I'm sipping on the vodka <laughs> Red Bull, trying to calm down. And then I've got people at the backstage trying to talk to me and I'm like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I need to find some sanctum. So I eventually found like a corner and just had to like, just calm down and just like breathe. It's like, right. Cause these were people that I, I admired what they were doing, the way how they were fusing their sound. And it's kind of what I've always done with my sound. They were like electro dancehall. And I was like electro bass, <laughs> like mixed with like hip hop elements and things like that. So it was like, wow, like these guys are really doing stuff. So when it, when it was our time to go on and came out and we're performing to about 5,000 people. Wow. Okay. This is insane. And it's like, don't mess up the mix. That's all I'm thinking in my head. <laughs> whatever you do. Did you and mess up the mix? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Not. <laughs> no, of course not. No, it was calm. And um, yeah, we just come out with um, a track called, uh, we had just done Mosh Pit because uh, we had, we were promoting his uh, EP, uh, Unwrap the Club. So um, we had a track called uh, Quag on there, um, which got like, was it? A quarter of a million views within 24 hours. Wow. When it came. That was like 11 years ago. So, um, and then we had like another track um, called Bass Made a Pussy Wet. And that track went off. <laughs> like it always went off whenever we dropped it. It was just crazy. So, to be performing these tracks, and you're like, I just made this the other day and I'm performing this to all of these people. And um, yeah, that was incredible like and i'll never i'll never forget that moment um the second one was performing after david rodigan and um where were we we're in plan b in brixton it's now called phonox and um i was playing that bump um like then it was easily one of the most successful nights um because you would have had yo-yos that came first um then bang bang came through, uh, which was in Dalston and then bump was like the, the weekly of like the bang, bang kind of thing. Like the bang, bang kind of had, you, you could play anything there. And bump was like the, the, the underground bangers, dubstep, the hip hop house, da, da, like it was just, if it was banging, it's getting played there. And we had people like, um, what's called, uh, Gabriel, San Gabriel from Berlin. Um, but this night. I remember getting a phone call from uh, Marnie and Marnie goes, yo, you're on the same lineup as Rodigan. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. He goes, do you want to play before him or after him? 
I was like, <laughs> um, now if I play before it, no, I said, I'll do after him. He goes, you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So, yeah. Like sweat, sweat, like dripping from my forehead. So, um, so yeah, uh, so the night came up and I remember being in the crowd because he was doing like a history of dubstep nice. and he, he was just going off. And if you've ever seen David Rodigan perform, that guy at the age of 60 will tear down any dance. Like, and it was intimidating. Wow. I was in awe at the same time. So I remember being in the crowd, going, like losing my mind. <laughs> there, was, there was rhythms that he was playing, but he was playing like the originals. And then he would play like the dubstep version. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is, that's what that came from. And I love finding things like that. I like finding out where things are sampled from, where the origins are from. So him giving like a dubstep history in the middle of Brixton was just like, oh my gosh, I'm losing my mind. And I remember like about 10 minutes before the end of the set, I remember going, oh, it's my turn. I'm next. I've got to top this guy. Oh no. <laughs> so I, again, I found that I went to the back room, to the green room in, um, in plan B and I'm in there and I, I think someone tried to come in. I'll just close the door on. <laughs> just yeah, like, let's right. get out. <laughs> no, no, I need to realign my factors right now because they're all over the place. And, um, yeah, composed myself and got to the DJ booth. And as I got to the DJ booth, um, Dixon Brothers from um, uh, Kiss FM turned up and I'm like, yo, because I've known him from kids. Yeah. And they're like, I'm to support you, man. I did it on guy. Yeah. Thanks for the support. Right now, I'm just trying to figure out what my first song is because this guy, like, I was I was playing a lot of dubstep at the time. Yeah. Where he um, a litany, a history of dubstep. I was like, right, I can't even come in with dubstep. Yeah. If I do that, then I, I'm literally... I'm literally trying to clash him. That's not going to work. But, but I've got to keep up the vibe. And I remember I'd, uh, I had a dub plate of, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Nicki Minaj did it on him. Um, oh. Like my Jaden samples all, all in it and cut up. Ooh. And I, was, I was like, right. And I remember him going, yeah, on to the next DJ. And I kind of felt a way that he didn't actually say my name. <laughs> like, oh, did he not? No, he just to get onto the next DJ, and I was kind of looked at him. Like, I'm about right. to show you who I am. Show you who I am. So I thought that up, and it's like Jaden, shit, and yeah, it went off, and it was just like yes, right again. Just got to make sure the first mix is fine, and I think that went into Drake up all night. Nice. Yeah, it was one of the cleanest and best sets that I had done to that date. I and love that. It's pressure mates diamonds, <laughs> um, as they say. And yeah, like those were the two most memorable sets that, I, that I've done, I must say. <laughs> Do you know how refreshing it is to hear someone with such a crazy amount of experience like yourself saying that they get nervous? Yeah, it's, it's human. That's mad. No, it's human. It's human. And, and people say that they don't. I kind of have to look at them and go, hmm, there must have been a situation. 
But that's uh, no, what I mean. No one's that confident. You're being honest about it. And that's really refreshing because this is why I wanted to ask, what advice would you give to like an aspiring DJ or event organizers who are looking to make a name for themselves in this industry? Because you're being very real and being like, hey, I've had moments where like, I know I'm sick. I know I'm talented, but I get scared as well. So what advice would you give to people that are in that position? Have faith in yourself. Um, network. Um, surround yourself with good people um, who aren't going to just tell you yes all the time. People who are objective. Um, and people from different parts of the industry don't always have people with this, who are on the same, um, doing exactly the same thing as you. Um, you can't help each other that way. Like, if you've got, if you've got two DJs, like, you need a promoter. Mm-hmm. Like, so you might as well have a DJ, a promoter, and then an artist. And then you've got things that everyone can help each other out on. Do you see what I'm saying? Then you will have cross knowledge. Like, you'll be able to cross, um, cross your information because you're going to have yeah. different experiences, but they all align with the same thing. Um, and be prepared to work hard. It's not an overnight success. Regardless of what anybody tells you, it's not an overnight success. If you don't put in the work and you don't put in the hours, the sleepless nights, the headaches, the talks from the, from the, from the missus or the mister, whoever it may be, like you're going to get it. And if you want to do this, you're going to have to be very, very headstrong. Um, but also have your compromises, um, and stay to stick to your guns. If you believe that it can work, then just make sure you've got some kind of plan, um, that you can follow. Um, sometimes you're going to come off track, but as long as you have an idea and a goal that you want to get to. Thank you for listening um, to Nexus Talks. Can, Don't forget to share do this episode and life. follow us on Nexus Creative HQ. As, the, as your parents have probably said, put the work in. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you learn to work smarter, not harder. But you only learn how to do that once you put in the harder bit. <laughs> amen. Honestly, the, amen to that. Vision, one, thing, one thing you did say, though, that I think is really hard for some people. You said have faith in yourself. How do you keep going if you're having a low moment or like a sense where like you feel like you're not going anywhere? What would you say to someone who's going through that? They're trying, but it's just not clicking. Have an outlet. You need to have an outlet of some kind. Um, I do martial arts. Like that's my outlet. I need to do that. <laughs> um, Which martial art do you do? I do jiu-jitsu traditional. My fiance does jiu-jitsu as well. You yeah. gave me jujitsu vibes. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> does he do BJJ or does he do? I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I, I don't really fully listen. He's always like, "Let me show you this new move I learned." I'm like, "Absolutely not. Go practice on someone else." <laughs> I just learn from him. Just learn and then apply it on him. Ah, <laughs> it's the gentle art. It's fine. <laughs> so jujitsu, you do, and that does that help you relief, like release any like worries you have or? Oh, definitely. Um. It helps you focus. Um, and yeah, like, especially within the entertainment industry, there's so much rubbish. There's bad talking. There's, there can be negative energy, even the people around you. Um, even though they might have the best intentions, just they don't get it. <laughs> and if you're not in it, you kind of don't get it. So you need to be able to kind of center yourself. Um, some people go to the gym. Um, but I would say if something physical 
like exercise, running, like yoga, Pilates, do something that is physical, like, and then that kind of helps you realign yourself, I would say. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just my opinion. Like I would, I would do something that gets your blood going so you can get out that, that bad energy. Like, ah, it's still like, <laughs> on. and then you go back to doing what you're doing. And then, and then aside from that, having, having the a good people around you, um, level-headed people around you, because we all make good and bad decisions and, um, having the right people around you. Um, sometimes when you're, your your perspective on something, because you're going through something is completely different. It's like, what did they mean by that? Yeah. And like, are they taking the mic? <laughs> like, I'm not having it. And the song goes, have you looked at it from this angle? You go, no, like, no, nah, this is what they, this is the way it came across to me. Like, chill. You're gonna have to think of a way to deliver that in a better mechanism. Um, and having those people around, having um around me um both family and friends um and i've been lucky enough to have um jay dragon around since i've known him since since a kid so we've been through doing events and everything like that since i can remember so i'm lucky i have a soundboard and he has a soundboard that we can bounce off of each other um and kind of help keep up keep us on the sights on the goal um, so yeah, having good people around you and a physical release. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And you said, keep your sights on the goal. I'm not even going to try and squeeze information about next year's WMD festival, but I will say, is there anything else that you really want to achieve or something that you're aiming towards? Or are you not allowed to tell me? Um, no, I can tell you that. Uh, yeah. I've got my, my project, um, my first solo project. There's no artists on it. Um, oh. It's just purely instrumental. It's just my music um, coming out in July. Um, we're just confirming a date because we're sorting some things out at the moment. But that's called Hyperspeed at Midnight. Um, because I've been working with artists for over, what, 10, 10 15 years, I've always been behind the scenes. Um, and I've got a side of me that likes dance music and has that dance inspiration and not necessarily hip-hop. Um, so this project's kind of allowed me to express that side to the world. <laughs> um, so it's really, and yeah, it's the first time that I've, I've done that. Um, I've released tracks and instrumentals before, as I said, I've done remixes for people and all the rest of it, but this is quite personal to me. Um, because I, one, I did it over a period of like COVID and things like that. So it really allowed me to disconnect from everything that I was doing like years before and it's just like right what do you want to do Jaden yeah it's like, I want to do this so yeah I, I want to put out this project um that's one thing that I, I definitely have to get out of my system um are you allowed to tell us the name or am I gonna have to wait for it to drop in July hyper speed at midnight beautiful um so yeah that's that's gonna be out in July and um yeah big up um Mishi as well on the artwork. This is this very inspiring artwork. I won't even say too much about it. When it comes out, you'll see it. But um, but yeah, like I, w- I want to make sure that that's done. And Basinates, the record label, will be bringing something special very soon. Um, on top of obviously releasing my project. And um, yeah, I just want WMD to hit the heights that I have in my head. Um, it will be very very special and it'll be beneficial to. A lot of artists. 
thank you so much for sharing everything you have and being so real about like your experience. I genuinely really appreciate this conversation and I wish you the best of luck with your release in July. And I can't wait to hear what's going to happen at WMD Festival next year. Where can people find you in case they want to like check out what you're doing? All right. You can find me at DJ underscore J D E N on everything. Just type that in on, on Google. You'll find me. Um, nice and easy. <laughs> um, and then at WMD.festival. If you type in WMD Festival in Google, again, you'll see us come up. And um, yeah, Basinates, my record label, Insta, B A S N A S. Basinates. Thank you so much, DJ Jalen. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I adore. Love to do it again. Make sure you recommend this podcast to anyone who might benefit from learning more about a life of a DJ, producer or events organiser. And don't forget to like, share and follow.